Well, over the last three Sundays, um, Pastor Brennan um, brought messages on church, the church and unity and the importance of uh, displaying that with our faith. Here, it, it, um, Scripture saying there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Uh, Jesus said there's one. He is the way, the life, the truth. And so that's what we in the church want to display that type of unity around our one faith in Christ. He uh, also, uh, why commit to a, a local church? Um, because of all that Jesus had accomplished on our behalf the, and the blessings that flow out of that. Um, last week, the role of the church. And so um, uh, we're, we're designed and called to be a going church and a discipling church. Um, and all too often in our culture, in our lifetimes, we have learned about um, coming on a Sunday morning and sitting back. And, and it's, it's kind of like consumerism. And we've got to be on the watch for that in our own hearts and lives. This is a different ball game than being uh, spectators or being you know, consumerisms, you know, consumeristic in our thinking. So um, the church is, is, is just the beautiful organism of God. Here, here, it's His doing. And He calls it a body. And so here today, we want to be considering our role and our responsibility in the church. And um, so the title of the message, you can follow along in the outline that's in your bulletin, but it's about God's growth plan for His church. And looking at Ephesians, the, um, a, one of the first places you want to go to to understand the church, um, God's revealed to us that the church is His. The church is the body of Christ. And that's such a, an amazing um, uh, metaphor there for us. He's God's given us his growth plan, calling us to join in and take action, not just know about it. So a couple of questions to get started. What have we done about that as believers? What have we done about it? And what will we do about it in the in the time ahead in this new year and in the years to come? So. To get started, kind of let you know where I'm going here, I want to give you a little illustration. Um, I got uh, excited about learning the sport of soccer as a young boy. And I was too little to play ice hockey back in Minnesota because I got hit too many times and I wasn't fast. So learning to play soccer was a big deal. And I kept learning and growing in soccer. So uh, if you have a soccer question this morning, I can, you know, bring it. You know, we're not going to talk about that. But what I'm getting at is our grandson, Hudson. Now, I, I get it. I think they start a little too early with plugging young boys and girls into a sport. And here's why. This past fall, grandpa's got great expectations. He's going to follow in grandpa's footsteps in soccer. He gets onto his soccer schedule and the second game into the season, the other team scores right away. And he sits down and he cries right there in the field. He can't stop crying. Oh, I'm serious. He's crying on the soccer field. What's the deal here? 
mom has to run out on the soccer field and console him. (laughs) I don't want to play anymore, mom. Get with it, Hudson. Come on. I don't want that. So, but see, you know what? Hudson was on the team. And Hudson had a uniform. He had a number. But he didn't want to play. And I've been saved, and you've been saved. If you are a believer in Jesus, you've been saved. You've been drafted on God's team. You've been signed to a lifetime contract. Right? And we've received our uniform. We've received, received the game plan, if you will. But why is it that so many Christians, not, I'm not just saying here, just all over the place, would rather choose to sit in the stands? They've got their uniform. They've signed their contract, everything. And they, they show up and, no, I'm not going to, I'm not playing in the game. I'm going to sit in the stands. I, I like to sit in the stands. I'm a spectator. And so that's really, in a sense, what we're going to be dealing with today. And if I should step on toes, uh, I'm not trying to do that purposely. I, I want to just open up and say, here's, here's what God's Word says, and here's what God's expecting from His children. Okay? So let's pray and get started asking God's help here. Heavenly Father, we bow before You and pray that You would lead and guide in this. Um, Lord, it's your word. It's your church. Uh, we we want to be faithful in um, pointing to you and looking at your word here and, and being ready to apply it, not just know about it. Help me in, in, in speaking here and be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. And here is a point at which Paul, the apostle, has shifted gears from um, laying out doctrine to now practice. Okay, he's, he's going to just, chapter 4, he's just turning it into a practical uh, um, encouragement for the church. Okay, and so... Um, he, you can see there in verse four, I mean, I'm sorry, verse one of chapter four, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. There's that, we talked about that earlier this month. So he's given it to us, and now you and I, as believers, are called to preserve that unity by how we conduct ourselves, our practical Christian living, okay? And um, so he, he goes on, look at verse 7, uh, but to each one of us grace was given, each believer, grace, a gift of grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Okay, that's a picture of a, a victorious king coming with the the the, um, the fruits of his victory, okay, and sharing that and just passing them around. That's the picture we have here. And so it then shifts to now verse eleven. We want to look at verse eleven through sixteen this morning. So here's uh, here's the the first uh, verse eleven, and he gave some as apostles. 
and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. That's a bit different than he, what he said just moments ago in, in verse uh, 7. Each one of us, grace was given, okay? So every believer has that gift of grace and the, the strength and the ability, if you will, to serve the Lord. Here, he's getting specific about gifted men. So that's point number one, the Lord's gracious provision for his church or to his church. And they're broken into two uh, subpoints here. Letter A, foundational. The foundational one. And it says, he gave some as apostles. Um, and before we dive into that term, the, the Lord gave gifted men to lay the groundwork for the church. And that, and in this case, apostles and prophets served to be foundation stones right bumped up against the what? The cornerstone. The chief cornerstone is, is Jesus. And so building the church starts with the cornerstone. Jesus. And then here are the apostles and the prophets helping form this foundation, if you will. And apostles, it's very important for us to understand their roles. They were personally chosen by the Lord Jesus. These, these weren't just self-appointed guys. I, I think I want to be an apostle. No, these were appointed by Christ. Okay? They, they personally saw him they walked with him, talked with him, spent time with him, did life with him for those three years. And then eventually he gave them authority to go and proclaim, go and serve, go and deal with demons, if you will. Okay? But most importantly, the apostles were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. That's what sets them apart. They were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. They saw the risen one. And now all of the apostles, the, all those, those 12 apostles there, they were the church's authority figures as it moved into the book of Acts. And we just got done studying the book of Acts. Now, there's one apostle who committed suicide, right? What did they do in Acts chapter 1? They're saying, oh, well, Judas needs to be what? replaced so they replaced judas but what happened in acts chapter 12 says that james the apostle was executed there's nothing stated about replacing him his life was over and so it was with the rest of the apostles as they died off no one was replaced in that office of being an apostle now, some, like I think Barnabas is mentioned as an apostle, but that's distinctive. And I think it's pointing out more the he was sent by the church. The word apostle means sent ones. And so it wasn't that he was an apostle of Christ like the 12, the original 12. He was an apostle of here's the church being sent out as a missionary. So following this, you know, here's the um, the. The, the church that's growing now that we read of and studied of in the book of Acts. But at some point now, what started happening was the apostles were given that responsibility of writing New Testament letters. Not all of them. Peter and Paul, right? Um, 
you know, there, you say, well, you know, what about Mark? Mark wasn't an apostle, but Mark hung out with Peter and learned. Same with Luke. Luke spent time with the apostle Paul and he learned from him and wrote his version of the, the gospel. Okay. But for the most part, the, the New Testament letters, here's Paul writing most of them, and here's Peter and the Apostle John. But once they died off, no more apostles. Okay? And there's, it seems like there's less information for us to dive into the term of prophets, but it seems that these were men who served alongside apostles in church congregations to not only speak for God, but to warn and give instruction to the congregations as they were forming. And then letter B, the formation gifted men, the formational ones. They were evangelists, some as evangelists, some were given as evangelists, some were given as pastor teachers. So evangelists, um, you know, here, here, these are gifted men who, who were involved in outreach, sharing, um, sharing the gospel. Okay. Uh, Philip. And, um, and, and here, um, it's Ray Stedman, I think, that coined this term. Uh, he, he labels the evangelists as obstetricians in the church, bringing along new life. And in our day and age, we can read some history books of, of the, of the, of church history and we, uh, we, uh, understand that, well, Billy Sunday, for those that remember and, or read about Billy Sunday, he was an evangelist. Um, D.L. Moody, evangelistic in, emphasis in his life and ministry. Billy Graham, Louis Palau, um, Greg Laurie now do, doing Harvest Crusades. It's a, an evangelistic emphasis. And so he, these are uh, guys that are gifted in this, as, as well as most missionaries. Most of our missionaries that we know of and hear of, they've got that, that spirit of outreach, going out and sharing the gospel. Um, then formational gifts along with evangelists as obstetricians, if you will, then some as pastor teachers. And Stedman goes on to say they're, they're like the pediatricians of the church. Checking on growth. How's your growth? How's your walk doing? And, and, and the idea of pastor teachers is shepherding. Shepherding. One and we say pastor teachers because there's no article there like there was with some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors. It does not say some as teachers. It says some as pastor teachers. That's why we hyphenate it, if you will, okay? And so the idea of pastor teachers informing the, in helping with the formation of the church is shepherding, protecting, feeding, leading, uh, being under shepherds by way of teaching the word of God, instructing, modeling the word of God, counseling with the word of God. And what has happened over the hundreds of years It's so easy to shift from that, which we're supposed to keep our eyes on, and to shift into humanistic types of help and counseling and instruction. But God's growth plan is all about what? His Word. And that's what we're... So, pastor, teacher, 
there needs to be a great concern from the pastor teacher, the gifted men to the church, for gospel clarity. For gospel application. For gospel growth. You know, I look back on my ministry here. You know, we, we moved up here in 1995. And when I came, I... I have to say, there wasn't, there wasn't really a gospel clarity in my thinking. It was more about church and trying to, you know, really, I, I want everyone to be happy. And so I want, you know, a lot of that was, you know, had to deal with fear of people. I want people to like me. All those things mix up and, and, and get you off track from the target, which is what? The gospel. It's the gospel. It is that effective. It is that sufficient for us. Okay? And so we, we must be preaching the gospel to ourselves. We, we need to do that. While we love one another. As a body. Okay? So that's the, that's the emphasis behind the, the pastor teacher. Gospel clarity, gospel application. Are we putting it into action? Are we being doers of the word, not just hearers only? So he gave these gifted men, Christ gave these gifted men to the church and then adds another layer on the foundational building that's happening here of the church. Point number two, for equipping the saints. That's the next layer, if you will, equipping the saints. And I want to focus in on this word equipping. Okay, in, in verse 12, you see it there, for the equipping of the saints. And from classical Greek, we find the meaning to, to be setting a broken bone. Setting a broken bone. That's the idea behind um, the, the term. And there's others, uh, there's a variety of meanings behind this one Greek word. Um, so, you know, that idea of setting a bone, um, that can hurt, Right? But what does it do? It brings healing and strength, so there's usefulness. Then, secondly, Matthew 4, 21. Um, it's you, the same word is used as the disciples mended their nets for repair. Okay? For repair. Luke 6, 20 uses the same word. To train as if to follow up on the disciples. Making sure they understand here's the, the big thing behind what they're doing. So Jesus does this follow-up work in discipling. And that's the same word here. So the idea behind being equipped, think about it. The, the pastor-teacher position is so that there will be equipping of the saints. And that's through the Word of God. That's the, that's the, that's the way it is. It's the Word of God. That's what will equip you. Okay? So, letter A, it's for the work of ministry. You are, you're to be equipped for the work of ministry. Clearly, the idea is that the saints are to be doing the work of the ministry. All throughout the church history, uh, you know, all throughout church history, the concept has been maybe weakened by a dominance of the of the clergy. The clergy rules. And the laity just follows along. And that's what we see. If you study church history. That's what we see with Catholicism. 
there's a great emphasis on the clergy. Okay? And the laity just follows along. Now, I realize that's a generalization of it, but that's typically where we're at with, you know, understanding the Catholic Church. Okay? And in other places, it maybe gets lopsided and imbalanced the other way, where the pastors can't do a whole lot because it's, you know, led by a board or somebody else, you know, power players, uh, money givers, you know, and it's out of balance that way. So it's important that there's balance here, understanding that here's the work of the pastor teacher equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And it's for the, what? Letter B. The building up of the body of Christ. When there's the right balance involved, here's when a congregation has the concept down and serving well and involved, and the leadership modeling that and, and involved, right? There's good results. The building up of the body. What's that about? The building up, that term, is simply strengthening, edifying the body. Point number three, until, so here's another layer on this whole foundation that's being built up, that until we all attain to the unity of, the unity of what? Letter A, the faith factor. The faith factor is the body of teaching that we have in from the word. It's the it's what we rely on. Here's, here's what we hold to. The teaching that we have. The, the doctrines that we stand on. It's the faith, not opinions. It's the faith, not a sense of feelings that we have towards the, you know, to, like, people can walk in and, and, um, maybe it was when we had the red carpet and it was really warm and wonderful feeling. I, I just have a good feeling when I come to church here. And then we got rid of the red carpet. <laughs> but the point is, it's our whole ministry as a church is not based on feelings. Oh, I really like, you know, I really like the music and, and Noreen does a great job. Or I really like Pastor Brennan's teaching. Or It's, it, it, it's too, ba- too much based on feelings. It's got to be based. We have to learn. It must be based on faith in what? In the teaching of Scripture. It's not just generalized faith. Oh, I have, I have faith. No, it's faith in the things of the Word of God. Okay? It's issues of beliefs and convictions starting with Jesus. Not ending, that, but starting with Jesus. Knowing who He is. And that's what leads us to point B. Letter B. Um, here's the knowledge factor to grow in the knowledge, uh, to, to grow deeper and deeper in our knowledge of Him. That, we've got to do that. And, um, it's so important that we understand there's got to be an ongoing growth factor for us. You know, if we were to say, um, here's Gene Workman. Gene's been the Christian longest time here, let's say. Why is Gene still here then? She doesn't need to learn more about Jesus, does she? I'm picking on her, but and she's nodding her head, yeah. It could be any one of us. We must continue in the things of God because why? My sin nature is that bad. I keep reverting to old thoughts 
bad thoughts, selfish thoughts. Because my sin nature is that bad. And yet, yes, I've been saved and I'm being sanctified through the Word and through the Spirit of God convicting me and molding me and shaping me, all that, to the likeness of Christ. So, in this particular area of unity, the unity of faith and unity of the knowledge of the Son of God is very critical because... When you have a Jehovah's Witness coming to your door, when you have Mormon missionaries coming to your door and talking, what's going to happen is they will present a different Jesus. They're not going to give you the Jesus of the Bible because they've taken... They they can say, oh yeah, and we believe all that, that you believe, but we've got something extra special. And that's leading us to understand, oh no... Um, there's not the growing knowledge of the Son of God according to the things of Scripture. Jesus, you know, asking them, who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus... What does your church say about Jesus? Who is He? And if they cannot say that He is God in the flesh, then we got problems. And He didn't become God in the flesh. We got problems, if, the, if that's what we're saying. No, he came, John chapter 1, it's simple. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word... What? Thank you, yeah. And then the Word, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us. That's amazing. God came in a body. And he came to be the sacrifice for you on the cross. The perfect atonement. So it's very important that we understand that we're growing according to the word in the things of God to learn more about the Son of God. Okay? Now listen, as you are learning and growing in the knowledge of God, it's only as you do this that you can understand the will of God. Young people. Um... It's like, you know, I think back to, I want to know God's will for my life. You know what? You want to know God's will for your life? Know Jesus. Learn from the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be, what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what? The will of God. Grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. Point number four. It builds, again, another layer. Here it is. So that we might be mature in Christ. To bring about maturity in Christ. Number Point number four. There's a lot to try to share right now under point number four. So let's move quickly through this. Um, again, following your outline... Um, letter A, we see the model of maturity in verse 13, B. Until, um, verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So there's our model for maturity. It's Jesus himself. 
And one way in which we can see that model more clearly is, again, back to John chapter 1, verses 14 and 16. It says, we saw his glory. The disciples are, are, John's writing this. We, the disciples, we saw his glory. The glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. The perfect balance by the perfect Son of God. Is anyone here full of grace and truth? I like to be, but I'm not full of grace. I'm not full of truth. Why? I still struggle with things in my life. So do you. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Then it goes on in verse 16. For of his fullness, we have all received grace and and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus. So the model of maturity is Jesus. Letter B, the motive for maturity. The motive for maturity. Here's verse 14 in chapter 4 of Ephesians. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. We are no longer to be children. For all of you who profess faith in Christ, you all started the same way I did. When I put faith in Christ, that was God's work in my life to bring me to faith in Christ. I started as a what? As an infant. I didn't start as some seminary grad. I started as a spiritual baby. So did you. And God's implication here is that we're no longer going to be children, you guys. We're not going to be children. We want to grow. So that stage one of newborns is wonderful. We want more newborns. Yeah? Evangelism? We want more newborns. (laughs) Can't hardly say it. But I hope that that's your desire. And you're not waiting around for the pastors or whoever, the deacons to... To do it. No. And most all of you know that. You understand that. But So what's the need here? The motive for of maturity is let's no longer be children. Let's grow. So there's the need. And you can see this under point B. The need for training. A child needs training. Okay. You and I need continual training. And that's so that we'll be disciplined in our lives. There's also the need for self-control. All of you parents, (laughs) you don't need to be told about this. (laughs) You don't need to be told about your child needing self-control. Do you? You understand. Let's go take a quick look at the nursery and see what's going on. Mine! No, it's mine! Well, I know that's not self-control. That's selfishness, right? So, yeah, you got selfishness in it, too. But self-control, the need for children. And see, it's easy to illustrate about the nursery of the little children, but it's harder to illustrate about us as a church. Because we don't want to step on toes. But do we have children, spiritual children here, that should be Adults in their Christian life? You have to ask that of yourself. You have to examine that 
Okay? So there's the need for training, the need for self-control, there's the need for stability. What is that verse 14 talking about? As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves. You know, I, we used to live in Southern California. We'd take our kids, and sure enough, one of them would get wiped out by a wave. And they're in ankle-deep water. They're not stable. They don't have balance. They don't have strength. All of that. And that's being likened unto the Christians. Right? We need to be able to stand firm. Have endurance. Okay? So, training, self-control, stability. Along with stability, it's this idea of being all over the place. Children, little children can be all over the place. With one extreme to another, all, all over. About things. And it can carry on into junior high. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, the boy doesn't like me. You know, and, and then the next thing, I, I don't know, I won't go there, but you know what I'm saying. You know, from all over the place, you know, for children to be that way. They're immature. Then the last one, the need for, uh, the need to discern. This is a big one, folks, and this is what we're talking about with this verse, the need to discern. Is something, uh, is some teaching deceptive? You bet. Yes, there is. And Paul warns the church at Ephesus, the elders at the church of Ephesus, Acts 20, about from within you can rise false teachers, wolves. So you and I, all of us, must be learning. to Let's grow in the things of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We always need to be on the alert for various winds of doctrine. The winds come out of nowhere. Blowing, which, whichever way. We, we have to be alert to that. Okay? And uh, it's the trickery of men, the craftiness, the deceitful scheming, the evil scheming of the devil. Children are easily led astray, easily de- deceived. And we're talking about us now. We can be easily deceived, easily de- led astray, unless we're growing in the doctrines and the teachings of the Word of God. And we see Christ in it and through it all. Let us see. There's the methods of maturity. Number four, let us see the methods of maturity. Look at verse 15. What does it say there? But, speaking the truth in love. So, the way to translate this is is best... as Seeing truthing love. That's the, the idea of the word there. We're truthing love. And it's the necessary and Christ-like way to speak. The more that you and I are growing in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, the more that you can speak the truth in love. All too often, I can speak Woody Swenson's opinion. Woody Swenson's perspective but i'm not necessarily speaking the truth in love and so i want to learn and grow in that so we do the same so we can be learning to speak the truth in love that's not a once in a while thing that's an ongoing discipline for us so that when all of a sudden you you know after the service maybe you turn around and somebody asks you a question about about the passage or, or some other issue of scripture are you ready? Are we growing in that kind of a way? 
And so what is speaking the truth and love founded upon and, and growing from is the word of God. And so I need to be one that is rather than learning to speak like a child, verse 14, I want to speak more like a spiritual adult and cherish the word in my life, uh, treasure the word. Psalm 119, verse 11, thy word have I hid or treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, to hunger after the word, to desire the word, just like we were told, you know, with Peter, you know, um, as as newborn infants, desire the milk of the word. Well, we have to keep on desiring the word as spiritual adults. In Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ, what? Dwell in you richly. I have not arrived. I don't know as anyone has arrived at, at knowing it all, but we keep growing. We keep coming back to church. We keep wanting to learn, taking it in. All so that the word of God becomes my point of reference or becomes my life perspective that all that I see, I try to see through the lens of Scripture. That I'm ready to share it like, like bread to a beggar. Like water to a thirsty soul, right? Along with speaking the truth and love, the Word of God and the Word, the ministry of the Word of God is prayer, outreach, witnessing, fellowship here in church, uh, with other believers serving in the body of Christ. And letter D, the marks of maturity. So under number four, we have the A, the model of maturity, the motive, the methods, letter C, and now letter D, the marks of maturity. It's a mutual support system. The mark of maturity is when you, for instance, you, you watch, uh, if you watch uh, a decathlon athlete, what are you going to see? You're going to see coordination from that guy or that gal. You're going to see coordination. Their body is working and not stumbling. Their, their body is coordinated and muscles are firm and everything's working well. And there's endurance. All those relate to us in this area of growth. And so there's a mutual encouragement, a mutual support system of the body. You stop and think about... Um, some of you work, you know, in the medical field, um, physical therapists and such. You stop and think about your your knees. Some of you have had knee replacements, and it, it's it's a it's a mix of muscle and ligaments and bone, and it's working. You know, that's what the, that's the picture that he's given here. That it's coordinated movement. Look at that in verse 16. From whom Christ, as our head, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. Okay? It makes the body grow. So, all right. We need to start wrapping it up. We, we need to think. How does, what's my responsibility here? Verse 16 is, is basically pointed at you and I. Saying, here's, here's the responsibility of the saints. That you're equipped to do the work of the ministry. And it ought to look like it's coordinated and it's moving. Okay? 
do you recognize your responsibility? And, you know, again, let me mention this. So many parts of the body are under the surface. We get that. So it's not like everyone's going to have a, a part to the functioning of the body that's out front. But there's so many muscles, tendons, ligaments, etc. underneath the surface. And that's, again, the picture of the body. There's things that so many of you are doing that are behind the scenes that nobody sees. But you're being faithful to Christ in His local church. So, do you find any teaching or theology about being a spectator? Not just here, but elsewhere. You find that? Let me know. We need to be thinking along lines of support, encouragement. Not that it's not been there, but that we continue encouraging, supporting the ministry. Pastor Brennan's going to open up uh, next week with the, the message of the book of Romans. I'm excited about that, and we've already been praying, and we want to draw you in to be praying for this, uh, this series coming up. It's a very important one. So, to work properly, the body needs to be relying on the head, Jesus. Rely on the Lord, and there will be growth. So, Takeaways for today. All true believers are to submit to the equipping process. You need to submit to the equipping process. And that's what you're doing this morning. You're submitting to the equipping process. And we continue doing that. We encourage folks to come for Sunday school, the Gospel of John and Evangelism, and the children's Sunday school classes. Be involved in Bible studies during the week. Connect groups during the week. Support those. Pray for those. Submit to those. Those are equipping processes. It's ongoing equipping. All true believers are to be participating in the work of the ministry in one way or the other. And we, we don't know all the answers, but if, you, if you're struggling with what... If you're not doing something and you, you're wanting to, we want to talk to you. Sometimes it's, it's a challenge. We don't know exactly where. But when you stop and think of your strengths and your desires... That's what God wants to use. Maybe it's with children. Maybe it's with students. Maybe it's with adults. Or, or maybe it's in the nursery. Maybe it's um, at Highland Manor or Homestead. Other ways, we're ready to talk with you about that. Um, all believers are expected to grow and mature. Stop being childish in spiritual things. We need to grow. We need to mature. Grow in the faith and grow and mature in the knowledge of the Son of God. And then all true believers are to be dependent on each other, just like a physical body. If my knee went out, I, I still have a picture of my dad playing softball, and his knee went out right around second base. And it, it was like, oh, gee. And I still have that. If, you're, if something happens in your body, you know. And it, there's hurt, there's pain. And we need to rally around each other as a body of believers to help when stuff like that happens. And we do. I'm so pleased about how, typically speaking, 
at Parkside, there, people rally around those that are suffering and hurting. We need to keep doing that. It's not that we've attained it, but we keep going in that direction. To be a help and encouragement to one another. So, how would Parkside Bible Fellowship be different if we had every member involved and plugged in in active ministry? Ask yourself, are you spectating? And then pray about exercising what is a strength that you have or an ability that you have or your part in the body. I realize there's a lot here. And um, I hope that we can be clear as we finish with prayer here that um, God's given us the game plan, the, the game book. He's given it to us. Are we studying it and are we moving ahead in growth and maturity looking like we're part of his team, right? Please stand in closing prayer. Lord, we just, uh, we ask that by your spirit you would seal things in our hearts that are are uh, going to be really helpful to our own individual situation. But Lord, help us in being a people that are connecting with one another about the, the ministry of building up the body of Christ. And thank you so much, Lord, for faithful saints here at Parkside who are um, going maybe unnoticed and, and just continuing in faithful prayer in faithful sending cards, in faithful visiting, encouragement, uh, Lord, in faithful service and teaching, and even uh, just helping in various ways, Lord. Thank you for that. And continue to grow us as a faithful people. But most of all, that we be, um, that we have a good grip on the gospel to share that with one another and to share that with those that are lost. Lord, we pray that um, through this time you would uh, draw people to yourself, whether it's through this this morning or through witnessing this week, that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ with those that need it. Help us, we pray. Thank you. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To God be the glory. Thank you so much and you're dismissed.